excited to be here this morning, and, and just before I get started, this is just a picture of what I see every Wednesday, and it is a sweet blessing. So for those of us leaders who are here um, and the students that are here, they see this on Wednesday. They're led in worship by people who love Jesus, and it's a pretty sweet thing. Glad that we can share it with you this morning. Uh, and on that note, because I can do whatever announcements I want now because I have the mic, um, we do have a thing called uh, winter camp. If you grew up in the church, uh, Baptist church or other churches, they'd have like these winter camp things. They are, after three years, finally back, and we're really excited for it. Possibly the last one because of how difficult things are um, in camp worlds. But uh, if you are looking for extra giving this year, I know how tough giving is. If you're looking for extra places, we have about 110 students that come out weekly to our programs. And a lot of them can't afford to go to these. These are weekends of intentional teaching, intentional worship, community building, intentional prayer. It's the most sweetest, redeemest, redeemingest. That's a word I made it up. Weekend that you can attend. So if you want to give to that and support a student, we'd love to see it. Any amount um, is welcome. Let's get into this morning. Uh, let me just pray. God, you are good. We're so thankful that we get to come together. God, we're so thankful that those of us who know you, that we have a hope in you this morning. God, we thank you that we can sing together with our brothers and sisters. God, you're worthy of all the praise and all the prayer that we could give you this morning. Amen. First, and some of you may not like this, I don't care. This is the first Christmas message in our series. Yeah, right? Those are Christmas tears for some people, Grinches out there. But it's okay. Christmas is coming, and I'm excited. To, I get to preach the first one because I'm a kind of a Christmas fanatic, like a November 1st kind of Christmas fanatic. Um, I like both. I love that, the deep, surreal, like, spiritual meaning of Christmas. I love that moment where we sit with our kids and we reflect on the goodness of who Jesus is. But I also love the Canadian hallmark, sappy, super traditional Canadian thing. It's just awesome. <laughs> when the kids are down, hallmark's coming on. I just like those sappy movies. It's true. It's true. My wife won't even watch them with me. I'm a sucker for them. It's embarrassing. She's not here this morning. But, um, but also it's a time where we as a church and even the world around us talks more than ever about hope, peace, and joy. Those words are just so like synonymous with Christmas, hope, peace, and joy. It's so fundamental to our faith, and it's a key word over the Christmas season. So this message, it's not one where I'm going to say a bunch of names you can't pronounce. It's not one where I'm going to give a ton of historical context, which you have to kind of grapple with. But there's like an unbelievable simplicity and deep, profound message behind Christmas. This morning, we're going to deal with hope. Hope is such a wonderful word for those who have it. This morning we're going to read from Ephesians 2. So open your Bibles with me from, to Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, there's one probably in front of you in front of one of the chairs or you can get one passed down to you and there's a pen in front of you. Just because it's not your Bible doesn't mean you can't mark it up. The next person's reading this, they're going to want to see you all marked up so they know what to read. So open with me to Ephesians 2. We're going to look at 12 to 16. 12 says this, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So this morning... We're going to land on this passage. This is a section where, where Paul is writing to the Gentiles. If you don't know what Gentiles are, they're non-Jews, non-Israelites, non-chosen people. And he's writing to the, Jew, to the Gentiles who weren't formally part of God's chosen people. And he's reminding them of a few things now that they have Christ. So this is applicable to us because now we have Christ. And he's reminding them of one that they were, they were, when they were separated from Christ, they were excluded from citizenship in Israel. They were foreigners to the covenants of promise. They were without hope, and they were without God in this world. A hopeless people with no God, no future, and no promise. But then Christ enters the scene, and this is the sweet thing about Christ, that every time he comes into a scene, everything changes. Because of who Christ is, his goodness, his mercy, he doesn't leave us in a hopeless state. He doesn't leave the Gentiles in a hopeless state. So he actually takes them out of a hopeless state. And that's what he's going to do to us for those of us who know Christ. But what about our world when we look at it? But what about the hopeless state that we look around? I have a, like a list of things here I decided not to read that we could just list off all the things if we're looking at culture, looking at the world around us, that would make it seem so hopeless. Turn on the news for 13 seconds and you'll feel hopeless. Go into a school. You'll feel hopeless. Talk to some students around you, what they're going through. It'll seem hopeless. All of this just seems to be escalating too. I don't know where you stand in your life and how much. I try not to watch the news because it is a little bit bothersome to watch, but it just feels like things are escalating, getting worse and worse, coming closer and closer to our homes, to our schools, and even inside of our churches, things are just getting worse and worse, and they seem hopeless. Desperate people searching desperately for something. It's not new to our culture at all, actually, is it? In fact, I'm confident there are generations and eras in our existence that there was far worse. Not so long ago in the mid-70s, there was a philosopher named Bertrand Russell. He's famously quoted this. Before he died, he said this. The best we can hope for is unyielding despair. Man, the best we can hope for, hope for is unyielding despair. Sounds like that, that letter that Paul's writing before Christ. There was no hope. And you had no God in the world. The world is so desperate for hope, church. Some of us are here this morning because we're desperate for hope. Some of us were brought here this morning by an invite because we're desperate for hope. And there's something. There's something. We're searching. We're looking for something. The world searches for it. They long for it. They desperately need it. And here's the thing, when we do find it, when the world finds the word hope, they use it in a different way than we do it in, in the word. They use it for things that are uncertain. They're, they use it for something they can't hold on to, like somebody here will hope the Leafs will win one day. Hopelessness. <laughs> Actually, I can apply his quote, unyielding despair. That would be... Some of us hope our kids will just turn out well. We actually have a UFC fighter here. He probably hopes he's going to win his next fight. 
after weeks of sickness in the Burnham house, we hope our kids don't bring the flu home again. Maybe it's harder. Maybe someone is hoping that their cancer treatments or a sickness in their family, maybe they're just hoping that it'll turn out well for them. There's so many things that are unknown. And we, we, these are hopes that we don't know. We can't say for certain. We don't know for sure. We can't confidently say there are things that we're hoping for an outcome. We're looking for the best outcome. But this morning, we're not even going to talk about that type of hope. We're not going to discuss that type of hope because it's uncertain. We're going to look at a hope that reaches far beyond what this world can ever offer. Proverbs 23:18 says, there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. This morning, if you're not ready for Christmas, we're going to enter it right now. This morning, we're just going to enter the Christmas season. So where you're red, let's get into the Christmas season this morning. We're going to bring you a series over the next few weeks that will be one of the greatest messages the world will ever hear. Church, we're going to ask you to not just listen to it, but we're going to ask you to join us to be, to be messengers in a world, to be a messenger of hope. Not just to leave here with information, but to use the information that you've got when you leave here. Listen to this verse, fear not. You may know this, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Church, if you're a Christian here this morning, that's for you. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people we're called. We have a hope that is based on certainty. We have a hope that is known. We have a hope that is grounded in perfect, unrelenting truth. We have a hope that's based on God's character and in God's promises in his word. We have a hope that is rooted in the love of Christ. Hope, joy, and peace. These are not easily found in the world today. You might go to work and have a lot of people who, who aren't saved, or you might just be here and you're unsaved. You might know people in your life and family who, who aren't saved. I'm telling you this with confidence that they don't have hope, joy, and peace if they don't have Christ. Christmas comes with a message that to the world seems so unbelievably foreign. I mean, we say hope, joy, and peace. We say it along, but it becomes more of a, a line in a song than something in our minds and hearts. It just becomes something we talk about in movies, but this morning, there's three probably type of, types of people here this morning. One, you might be a Christian that, that is struggling to find hope in this, in this season. Let me, let me bless you this morning. Sit back and be reminded of the hope we have in Jesus. That when hope is hard to cling to, when you don't always see it, it doesn't feel close, sometimes we just need to be reminded of a simple truth. The second person here might be someone that just doesn't know who Jesus is. Maybe they're sorting out things in life. They're trying to figure out where, they're, where they place themselves, and they have no real hope. They have no certainty and hope. And if that's you this morning, my friend, please listen today. Please listen today, because there is a message that will change everything. It's not a message from Marshall. It's not a message from Harvest. It's a message right from God's word that can change everything This hope can be yours this morning. Then there's a third person here, someone who just claims that hope in Christ. And maybe, yeah, yeah, you're in, you're in a dark season or maybe you're in a great season, but you know Jesus and you have his hope. Well, then this morning, sit with me and just be refreshed and reminded as we look over the gospel story again because it never gets old. It never gets old. Let's go back to Ephesians 2, 12. 
It says, remember at that time where you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. This is for all of us at one point where we did not claim Christ as our king. So all of us here, for those of us on the outside of Christ, you're not alone. We were all in this place in our lives. We were without Christ. And it doesn't mean that, hey, these people didn't go to church. No, a lot of them go to church. A lot of them do really good things. A lot of them give to people. A lot of them believe in some of the stuff. But I'm talking about this hope is, is for people who actually follow Christ as their king. And, and these people that, that are separated without God and without hope in the world, it's just people that haven't followed Christ yet, haven't laid down their lives to say, I want to I follow this king. And we're, we're separated from God. Look up at the top of the page. If you scroll up to Ephesians 2, look at 1. Ephesians 2 verse 1. Ephesians 2.1 says this, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. It's just this, we were separated from God because of our sins. We are separated from God because a perfect God can't align with imperfect us. We are separated because of our sins. So we're unable to be holy. We are unable to be righteous. We're unable to earn our place with God because the law says that the wages of sin is death. We're unable to get to God because death is our curse from our sin. Because of our sin, because of the the sin of the world around us, the world forever is, forever will be without hope if they're without Christ. That'd be a terrible place to end. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, but God. If you got your Bible out, this is the part where you circle, you highlight, you point, you do little lines, little asterisks. But God, when God comes into the scene, everything begins to change. When Christ enters, when God enters, everything changes. Look at but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead. Even when we were dead. For for those of us this morning who are dead in our sin, even when you're dead, even when you're dead in your sin, even when you don't know Christ, even when you're dead in in your sin, he can come and make us alive together with Christ because it's by grace that you've been saved, not by works. It's by grace that you've been saved this morning. For those of us who follow Christ, we know it's by grace that we've been saved because we're not holy and we're not good and we're not blameless. But Christ calls us that because of who he is. God, in his goodness, in his love, he calls us. And I'm confident this morning that maybe he's calling one of you right now. I don't know your heart. God does. I'm, call, I'm, I'm confident that this morning he's calling someone here that does not know him, that doesn't call him king, that feels hopeless, that maybe even life is going good, but there's nothing for tomorrow, nothing to cling to, nothing to hold on to. And Jesus is saying, come to me this morning. Come to me and I'm going to give you hope that will never be shaken. Maybe you're one that is recalling that moment that generations or decades ago Christ called you to himself. What a sweet reminder. From death to life. Maybe you're recalling decades of his grace. Maybe it was just months ago. Maybe a year ago. Maybe this morning you hear a sweet voice calling you now. Let's continue back with Ephesians 2.12. Let's go back. It just says, remember that at time you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world, but now, there's another one, but now, circle it because Christ is coming into the scene, but now Jesus Christ, who you were once far away, have, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Before Christ, all of us, before we accepted Christ as king, we were without hope. 
all of us were without hope. I think I say hope like 300 times in this message. Like what a desperate word. Like we're just clamoring for it. The world is clamoring for it. I feel like if I, if I envision it, I just see a world falling backwards off a cliff, clawing at the cliff, and every time something online or in media just boasts hope or joy or peace, they, they cling to it as hard as they can, and then it just crumbles away because we're desperate for hope. And without the Christmas message, there really isn't hope. Without God, without Christ entering into our sinful state, there is no hope, there, there is no peace, there is no joy. A godless, sinful world, unrepentant to Christ, has always been and always will be hopeless. In fact, if you Google, don't do it now, put your phones away, but if you, unless you have your Bible app, that's fine. If you Google hopelessness, you'll find hundreds, if not thousands of pages, like nine steps to regaining hope or seven steps to finding hope, four stages to find hope in yourself, or six ways to run away from hopelessness. And all of them, all of them, all of them will fail unless Christ is the first word on the page. They're all going to fail. They all fail in light of who Christ is. They're all temporary. There's nothing to cling to. There's nothing that when we grab a hold of ourselves falling down a cliff that will hold us on a firm foundation, it will all crumble. And even, even for Christ, like Christians during Christmas, it's hard to find hope at times and seasons. Like, let's not be untruthful. We, we have it eternally, but it's hard to see it. It's hard to find it. First Corinthians says that we see through a glass darkly, and it's sometimes hard for us to cling to. So this morning, I pray that we just hear it, that we're reminded of it, that we hear God's voice reminding us of it. Hope comes with the gospel. Here's what the gospel is. We are all sinful. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, everyone here. Everyone here in this room has fallen short of God's glory just because of the sin in our nature. Just because of how we act, think, do, everything we say. We fall short of God's perfection because of who we are. But we can't hold up to the measure of the law. The law was given to us actually to expose how we can't hold up to the measure of the law. Expose how much we need Jesus. Expose how much we need Christ. But God in the flesh, here's the gospel, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ comes to earth to a virgin as a baby to live a sinless, perfect life where as a result, he is able to pay for the penalty of my sin and your sin. Amen. He paid a cost for the law because I couldn't. The cost of the law is death. I can't pay that. So Christ comes and he just pays it all for us on the cross and he pinned it. He pinned it to the cross. All my sin, all my shame, all my guilt, all my sins. Now Christ stands before me in his finished work, fully completed work. Christ stands before me because of his death, because of his resurrection and on judgment day he calls Marshall clean. He calls you clean. If you accept Christ, he calls you clean and then he just welcomes us in. And, and that's my hope. It's not uncertain. It's fully assured. That's the difference we have from the world. The world has hope that is, that is uncertain and nothing we can just base anything on. But, but the Bible comes and teaches us of a hope that is fully assured. It's a different word. It's a joy and a peace that is different with what the world will ever offer. And honestly, church, for those of you who know Christ, it is a hope, it is a peace, and it is a joy that is beyond our current circumstances. And that's important to remember. Because we are entering Christmas Eve, and some of us are wrecked. Some of us are broken and tired 
and anxious, exhausted in life, sick, scared. And then Christ comes to listen. Listen, he comes to remind us that we're loved, we're seen, we're known, we're cherished, we're heard, we're his. Love so much that he'll take the cost of all of the garbage we've ever done and just pin it to the cross. That's a Christmas story. The story of Christmas is our hope in a world of utter and complete hopelessness. And when we first, we first meet the Messiah, when we first meet Jesus, he comes in this meek, humble, baby form. Has to really frustrate Satan that he couldn't even take out a baby. There's nothing he can do. Jesus comes in this meek, gentle way, but then there's almost like this veiling. Like we, we can't see everything we, we can't be exposed to everything that God is going to do because we see this story approaching as Christmas and we're like a baby. There's got to be more to the story. Look at verse 13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And he has made us both one and has broken down the flesh by dividing the wall of hostility. That hostility is the law that is set against us, a law that would condemn us as a curse to death. And Christ actually takes on the curse of death for us. This little baby that comes innocently takes on the weight of the world, the curse of sin. And this morning, church, if this is you, if you're a Christ follower, we see the story of Jesus, God in the flesh. We see him go from, we, our story goes from hopeless to hopeful, from chaos to peace, from law to grace, from sinful to redeemed, from broken to restored, from death to life. There's nothing more incredible. The world around us is so desperate, church, that, that this, this little message of Christmas shouldn't just be bypassed as another season to enjoy. It should, be, it should be pushed on us as an army to go out and preach the good news to all nations, proclaiming that Jesus is king. He has come to earth. He has risen again, and he's coming again. We're called to be messengers of hope because my hope is fully assured. And listen, there's, there's so much more to the story, like as if, as if the, the virgin birth and the death and resurrection and the conquering of sin isn't enough, but there's so much more to the story, it doesn't end here. In fact, I cling to the hope that there's more to the story because I look at the world around me and it's hard to live in this world sometimes. But our hope is no longer lying in a manger, Amen. Our hope is no longer nailed to a cross. Our hope is no longer in a grave. Our hope is alive, and Jesus is victorious. And our king is coming again. Amen. In fact, I want to recount some of that, some of the future stuff. I want to look back on it. Revelation, if you can open me at 21. While you open, there's a, there's a song that I talked about last year. It's one of my favorite gospel songs, and it says, I've read the back of the book, and we win. There's no more living in darkness. We'll be living at home with him. And there isn't no need to fear about it if you're born again. Because I've read the back of the book and we win. Church, we're born broken. We need to be born again. To have full assurance and full confidence in Christ. Revelation 21, 21, 3 to 6. It says this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, 
Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And, and he who is seated on the throne said this, Behold, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty I will give the spring of the water of life without any payment. For those of us in Christ, that is our eternal hope. That means, that means when life is difficult right now, we just stand firm on that hope. That God is going to dwell with us and he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. That means when we're persecuted at work or with our families, or attacked or demeaned or belittled, rejected, despised, that because of a hope everlasting, we can have joy in a difficult season. The question to some of us might be how? It might be how do we get this hope? And for some of us who have it, let's just be reminded of why we have it. If you would like hope this morning, listen to this verse. The word of God says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. If you confess your mouth, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, if you confess with your sins, he is faithful. If you confess of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. For those of us who have hope this morning, it's because we believe that. It's because God has come and redeemed us. Cleansed us, restored us. Pulled us out of the garbage and given us hope. Even if we sit in the difficulties of life, we have a hope and joy that surpasses all, all, all other things in this world. Church, we have to recognize that we're sinners and that our sin has separated us from God. Christ came as an infant to live sinlessly and perfect, to pay for the cost of what we couldn't pay for. That's a gift. That's a gift this morning. I'm going to ask our worship team to make their way up. These are things I don't, it's not even comfortable for me to do this, but I'm going to ask that you do this with me this morning. I just feel God has asked me to do this this morning, and I've, I've talked to some people about it, and I want to do something that's a little bit out of the comfort zone. If you could close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning. I want to ask you some questions. Are you without hope this morning? Are you walking into this season of life? Not just Christmas season, but the season of life. Are you going through this season of life without hope, without a certainty of what tomorrow would bring. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My friends who are here this morning without hope, let me, let me offer something to you. I want to give you a, a, an opportunity Christ is calling you this morning, if Jesus is calling you this morning, 
If Christ is calling you to accept him as king, to find, to find hope in a risen savior, to find hope that can redeem you, restore you, forgive you, and fill you with hope that no storm can ever chase after, destroy, or assault. Did you raise your hand this morning? If you would like to chase after Christ this morning, if you would like to accept him as a savior in your life, would you raise your hand? Amen. My family, church, is, God is working right now. Okay, you can put your eyes up. We're going to stand together. And we are going to sing about a living hope. And as we sing, here's what I'm asking for some of our pastors and elders to come forward to sit here. And some of the hands that are raised, we're going to have to take a hard step. This isn't an easy step, but I'll tell you this. Everybody here has taken this step this morning. Everyone here who claims Christ has said, hey, hey, I'm a sinner. I don't have hope and I need help and I need Jesus. We've been there. We've said that. So with your family here this morning, if you want to walk forward with us to sit with us, we would love to pray with you, explain to you how to believe in Jesus so that you will be saved. Wouldn't that be amazing, church, to stand with our brothers and sisters and watch them walk into eternity with hope? Let's sing.